Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6... Evolutionary.org Hardcore 2.0 Episode 14. This one we're going to talk about how to get big shoulders and chest with Euro Pharmacies. So let's first talk about Euro Pharmacies a little bit. So Euro Pharmacies are a very well-known brand, one of the top brands in the world for anabolic steroids. They also have other type of things too. They have the ancillaries that you would need on cycle. They have post-cycle options. They have in-between cycle options. So they have you cover from A to Z. But really, their anabolic steroids is where they uh, they cut their bread. And they have some excellent injectable and oral steroids. So really, we're going to talk in this podcast, we're going to go over our favorite steroids and our favorite steroid cycles to help you build shoulders and a wide chest. So, you know, why, you know, at the end of the day, why do we like Europharmacies? And let's be honest, those of you who use steroids for many years, You've had so many different mixed results and you've had so many different steroids that you've used and cycles that have been very disappointing. And one of the main reasons for that is underdose gear, fake gear, and just getting plain ripped off by steroid dealers and steroid sources. So your pharmacies is a trusted brand and you can be rest assured when you buy your pharmacies, you're buying what you're buying. You're not buying one thing and they're sending you another. You're not buying one thing and you're getting something that's underdosed, half dose. And it's one of the most important things when we're using anabolic steroids to go into the cycle confident and be able to get everything we can out of that cycle and know that what we're running is what we actually ordered and have that confidence. Because as steroids, you know, they cost money and wasting money on anabolic steroids that not, are not what we think they are is just not right. And it's completely unacceptable these days to be in that situation. And, um, you know, your pharmacies, they're fantastic. Their products are made in a lab with actual scientists, actual lab people that are making these chemists that have an education, that know what they're doing, that have years of experience. It's not just some guy making gear uh, who bought a bunch of products on eBay, uh, a bunch of material on eBay and uh, beakers and stuff. And he's um, going to bake gear in his own uh, shower, in his own uh, bathroom, in his own toilet. And he's going to make it in his toilet and it's bathtub and, and toilet gear that he's making. And then he's bottling it up and selling it. And, you know, there's infections that 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 can happen from that. There's, who knows what you could be injecting? He doesn't even know what, what he's making. He doesn't know what he's doing. And he doesn't test the products after he makes them because he's trying to make money. So what does he care if he sells you fake gear or, or dirty gear and you end up getting an infection? Then you have to go to an emergency room and get your infection drained and have to go on antibiotics for, for a month. What does he care? So your pharmacies, they take pride in their products. So when you buy from them, you know you're getting quality. And that's that's the number one most important thing. It's just not acceptable. It's like buying a car, driving off the lot, and the car blowing up. Yes, that's happened. <laughs> that's happened before. That's why they put a law in place called the lemon law. Well, with anabolic steroids, there are no lemon laws. So you buy your anabolic steroids, you take them home, you inject them, or you take them orally, and it's not something goes wrong. There's no lemon law where you can return it back to your dealer and say, yeah, this didn't work. Give me my money back. You're basically harming yourself, you know, harming yourself in the process. So don't put things in your body that you don't know what you're putting in your body. So your pharmacy has got you covered on that. Mobster, touched on a little bit. Why do you love your pharmacies? Tell us your story. Well, as many of the listeners will know, especially if they're regular members uh, of the forum and listen to this, to this podcast, I've used 
Europharmacy. I'm using Europharmacy right now, Steve. I've got products of theirs on my desk right now for the cycle that I'm running right now. Uh, I'll tell you what I'm running right now, guys. It might not be relevant to the subject matter today, but I'm running their Devo. I'm running their MK677 and running their Arimidex. And that's on my desk right this minute, Steve. I've even got half a tablet of their Cialis. So what, why am I using it? I've used their products before. I've had results. That That's El Numero Uno, above and beyond anything else. I mean, then something we, you and I can touch upon on this podcast, and I'm sure we'll talk about it in other podcasts. We, we, we know when we're using Europharmacy products and specifically particular products, how we're supposed to feel. A great example of that, and, and again, I've just mentioned it, guys, is a Dianabol. How are we supposed to feel when we take Dianabol? Users of Dianabol, especially uh, experienced users with Dianabol, will say, right, I get a pump, I add weight, and so on. So my experience with Dianabol in the past, Steve, is that I can add as much as 10 pounds, a lot of that, as you know, guys, will be water on cycle when I'm using low-dose Dianabol. I very rarely go above 15 milligrams. Right now, guys, I'm using it, and I've added weight. And it's right in the range that it's supposed to be. It gives me that leverage on certain exercises in the gym. Steve's touched upon that for some users dying in a bowl, you get a sort of sense of well-being. So you know how you're supposed to feel. The VAR pump or the or the, the almost painful, in fact, it has been painful. I've had it myself, VAR pumps that some users get when they use Enovar. So you go, right, how am I supposed to feel when the, I'm taking these drugs? Do I speak to other users online? What's their experience? The same kind of questions that I would expect you guys to come onto the forum and ask. All of these things, the dosing, right. So, for example, Steve, if a product was overdosed, then, and again, let's refer to the Anavar pump, it'd be worse than normal. So I know how I'm supposed to feel. I know the kind of results that I expect. As a great example, again, guys, if I'm training for strength, I know that the difference between my non cycling strength and my on-cycle strength. And again, I will train specifically with the idea of peaking my strength, but I know the difference. Back in the day, there would be a 20 kilo, 44 pound difference. I know how I'm supposed to feel. I know the results I'm supposed to get. And I'm getting that feeling and those results when I'm using Europharmacy products. That's exactly what you want from any company. But why are we going back to Europharmacy again and again? because we get this result again and again. We get what we expect, we get what we pay for, and that's exactly why you'd use a company like Pharmacies. What about you, Steve? Yeah, exactly, and I've used plenty of their products as well. Um, they're basically just a solid all-around brand. I would categorize them as that. So if you've never used them before, definitely give them a shot. And when it comes to big building big shoulders and chest, you know, we want results. So your pharmacies is going to help you get those results. So we're going to talk about some really cool steroids ideas for you in the next couple of segments. But first, Mobster, he yeah. wants to get into why. The yeah, why? why? What's the big deal with big shoulders and chest? And I can say, let me just touch on this really quick. I could say growing up as a skinnier guy, I, I had the bird chest. I can remember um, going to family, you know, picnics or whatever. And I had uncles who would give me shit for being so skinny. You know, I had like a really, really skinny chest. So one of the things that, you know, I did to change that, obviously, is to uh, start weight training. And once I started weight training as a teenager, I was really able to open up my chest. So we're going to get into training ideas as well later on in this podcast. But first, why are big shoulders and chest so important in society, Mobster? Talk about that. Yeah. Let, let me give you an example, guys. We just did a podcast when we talked about big arms, right? And if you're a bodybuilder, big arms are kind of a big deal. It's probably the first thing that we train. It's, it's the thing that you see most teenagers, younger lifters hitting in the gym, all that kind of stuff. But Steve said it just now. He talks about in society, so not bodybuilding. And I, I said to Steve in the pre-show, if you go and get a good jacket, a fit, especially if you're getting a suit made, Steve, and these, there are styles, there's times, different buttons, different lapel designs, all the rest of that stuff. I will say that nine times out of ten, even with different vogues and fashions in that fitted jacket, nine times out of ten, it's gonna, they will add a little bit of padding to the shoulder. They will add a little bit of padding to the front of the shoulder. So why do they do that, right? Because shoulders, in this example, and the chest, 
maketh the man. The, the, the cut of the jacket is always done in such a way, even if you're kind of broad-waisted, they're trying to give you a waist. So they're trying to make your chest look big and broad, and they want your shoulders to especially look broad. And you can, you can see this. Go back a few years, and it was crazy, crazy exaggerated, Steve. I'm thinking around the time of Steve Reeves with, and the suits that he was wearing, and we're talking about 50s and 60s here. That was even worse than it is now, or more exaggerated than it is now. But even in modern times, with the with the much tighter, I mean, I couldn't get into these suits that they make now, Steve. It's a skinny fit with the arms and a skinny fit on the legs, but they still put padding into the shoulder. And that's because every goddamn tailor ever is trying to exaggerate your shape, is trying to exaggerate your form. So, so the whole societal thing is you'll have people saying, oh, it doesn't really matter. You know, a dad bod is fine. And then that dad bod is taken by the wife, the girlfriend, the mum, the, the sister, whatever, whoever takes them down and gets their first suit as, as a teenager. Uh, you know, you're getting a suit made for a wedding, all that kind of vibe. And I guarantee there will be some padding in that shoulder. There will be some slightly exaggerated width. It's given an inch here or an inch there. There might be a slope to the shoulder from the neck. That's a different vogue in the style. But it's nearly always down to something that looks wider in the shoulder. And the same thing in the chest. They want it to they want it to hang off the chest. They don't want it to hang off the belly. Why is that suit makers have been doing that for generations, Steve? A hundred plus years. Hell, Steve, you could go back further. Tudor times with the crazy kind of rough thing that they had around the, the collar, but they also had some sort of weird thing going on with the shoulders to the point it was almost like you could land airplanes on their motherfucking shoulders. So why do they do that with the chest? Why do they do that with the shoulders? Because they want to exaggerate the male figure. So society now would argue that it's not important. I say society's talking out of his ass. They might say it's not important, and it doesn't make you a better dad or a better man, but the visual effects is the same. That's why... People have what they call their power suits, men and women, their power suits, and they're nearly always something that exaggerates and masculinizes the woman. So she goes into the into the boardroom and kicks ass, masculinizes the man to make him a champion of industry. Why? For that reason, Steve. So it is still a huge deal in society. We can deny it, we can have a Cosmo article on it, and then you'll go out and you'll see the latest thing is for the suit with the shoulders and the chest or whatever. Argue about the buttons, the lapel. The, the 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 cloth, all that kind of bullshit. But then you'll get stuff like Jay Cutler. Uh, there's a video of Jay Cutler from back in the day, and he's got a, a, a Vegas tailor, and they're talking about that difference between that shoulder slash chest area and the waist. And it was like 10 inches is good, 15 inches is kind of like athletic, 20 inches was crazy, and, and Jay was at that 20 thing, and the tailor was having the sort of do stuff with that kind of thing. If you've ever seen super freaky 250, 300 pound bodybuilders in suits, they look like something from a cartoon scene. But that's kind of what they're aiming for with the, the normal guy with his 40, you know, 44 or 45 inch chest, whatever. So yeah, it's it's why the suits are done like, why we have favorite shirts that we like, all that kind of thing that fit our arms, fit our shoulders, fit our chest, make our waist look small. That's the reason why. Society loves it. They can deny it, but they love it. What do you think? Yeah, so if you're in in bed, you're snuggling up to your lover, and um, you got a like a big wide chest, and they can kind of snuggle into that, and they feel your pecs and your shoulders holding them and stuff. That's that's that gives them that security. It's like their security blanket. So, you know, definitely having a wide chest. And the nice thing about the chest is that even if you were like me growing up and you had that skinny ass bird chest, building up a chest isn't that hard either so you can't really make that argument that my gosh um you know it's 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 hard now a lot of people complain you know they can't build up their calves i get it i mean some people have long lanky limbs some people have a hard time building up their arm they have long length limbs or their arms are more long than than wide and i get it all right but when it comes to the chest it doesn't matter you can have long lanky genetics you can have crappy genetics you can have whatever if you put, go in there and you put in the time to build a chest, you can do it. So really, there's no excuse, I think, for any of you out there to have skinny chests because you can improve it. Are you going to have as wide as a chest as me? I'm not saying that. 
I've had I have the I have those genetics to get that big wide chest and big big thick shoulders, but you're going to be able to build them. Another thing too is balancing your shoulders and balancing your chest. That's another thing where they're symmetrical. When I first started weight training, I noticed my shoulders especially they were off. Like one shoulder was way bigger than the other. My traps when I flex my traps. Now, if you, any of you young guys listening to this, go to the mirror, pause this and go to the mirror and just flex your traps in front of the mirror. You may notice one of your traps is way bigger than the other. So that's part of, you know, I, you know, a lot of people consider that, oh, that's the neck. Well, I consider that part of your, your shoulders as well, because those, you want to get those strong. Those will get your shoulders look more wider and give you more thickness. Okay. So Look, look in the mirror when you flex and you might notice one is way bigger than the other. And in my case, it was like twice as big. <laughs> so, and this was when I was weight training for like a year. So obviously over time, as I started weight training, it balanced itself out. So that if, if anything was proof that you can, you can do it. That's a perfect example. Even someone with me who has good traps genetically, even my traps were lagging on one side and I had to bring them up to match the other one. So if I can do it, any of you listening can do it. So I'm upset touched on that a little bit, and we'll get yeah, some, I mean, some steroid ideas. I would ask ask you listeners a question, Steve. What is one of, and this is especially true for the guys, but I think there'll be a few ladies out there that do this as well. What's one of the first exercises that we all do when we're teenagers and we want to we want to get buff or whatever else? The first exercise, Steve. One number one is going to be probably the press up, laying on the floor, hands you know shoulder width chest width, whatever, the different versions you do, guys, and just trying to press your, your chest off the floor. It's, it's like, it's probably the number one exercise you see guys doing in movies when they want to get in shape, before they start running, before they do pull-ups or chin-ups, before they do any other kind of exercise, almost certainly the first one you'll see. That how many military movies have we seen where the where the sergeant made it, the, the trainer, the, 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 the ass kicker comes into the room and says, so get down and give me 20. He ain't talking about sit-ups. He ain't talking about chin-ups. It's nearly always the presser. So it's kind of the, 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 almost the first thing that the guys try to develop is their chest. Probably even before their arms. We get into the arms. That's what happens once we go to the gym or we get some weights or we get some rubber bands or we even get some springs. But the first exercise we probably do before we do anything else is the press-up for that reason. There's another real thing, and I think it kind of applies to the arm argument as well, Steve. It's, it's kind of easy to get a pump in the chest. Once you can do a few press-ups, so trust me, guys, a few of you out there, myself included, way back in the day, I sat long ago, I can barely remember. But I'm guessing, I would say I probably struggled the first few times. But once you can do half a dozen, once you can do 10, once, especially, Steve, as you know, once you hit probably about 30 press-ups, you're going to get a pump. And you're doing that in a bedroom, you're doing that in a garage, you're doing it in a garden, you're doing it down the park. You're doing it in a playground. You're doing it in a school gym, and you're getting a pump. Hell, Steve, I know guys that were doing like sort of dips for the backs of their arms in clubs. I'm sure there's guys in clubs I haven't seen doing wall press-ups to get a pump. So the shirt looks good, and then going outside and letting the ladies see what they got. So the press-up is probably like the first exercise. So the almost certainly the first thing you try to develop is chest. Weirdly, shoulders come a little bit later on, and again, as we just talked about with regards to the suit and the fashion and the votes and all that kind of stuff, the aesthetic that comes with broad shoulders, and I mean broad shoulders and a small waist and a big chest, is something that kind of kind of like classic bodybuilders, Steve. If you can get those two things going properly and you keep your waist the same size, the look, the vibe, and how you feel, how you walk, there, again, I, I refer to Steve Reese from, from the age of bodybuilding against Steve. There are photographs of him walking down to the beach. There, are, I believe there are stories of him walking down the street in a suit with his hair looking good. And it's like something out of the Marilyn Monroe movie, Steve. That the women, normal housewives, normal women, not supermodels, anything, just attractive, unattractive, older women, everything. They're looking over their shoulder as this man goes past with his shoulders and with his chest and with his whole vibe going on. And trust me, guys, if you have that shape, if you have that width, if you have that depth, and you've got the confidence, and you're wearing some decent clothing, it doesn't matter about the label, guys. You're going to get the look. 
So, yeah, this is what we're looking about today. We're going to talk about now about the steroids that we would choose and, of course, the kind of training that we would do to emphasize these body parts and make us look amazing. Let's talk about the steroids now, Steve. You go first. Yeah, so the first one we're going to talk about is the, probably the most hardcore one on this list, and that's Trend. So your pharmacies, the EP brand, they've got the two best sellers that they have, of course, are the EP Trend Acetate, the EP Trend Enanthate. Now, what is the difference between the two? It's very simple. The acetate has a shorter ester attached to it. So the acetate, you can pin it every day or every other day, perfectly fine. Uh, the enanthate is for people who don't like to pin very often, so you can pin a higher volume of it less often. So you can pin it twice a week, and it's perfectly fine. So no matter which one you want to use, keep in mind with trend, the side effects are pretty brutal. So if you want to, if you're the first time using it, and you want to hop on it to help you build those big shoulders and and uh, big chest, then you might want to go with the acetate version. Just so if side effects get too bad on cycle, let's say you're in week six, week seven, week eight, you come off, it's going to be out of your system quicker. The longer anything answer is going to take longer. It's going to take a few weeks to really get out of your system once you stop taking it. So. Uh, that's why I recommend going with the um, the EP Trend Ace if it's your first time. But if you're more experienced, you just want to cut down on injections. I have to inject all the time. Then um, the EP Trend Enthate would be a great, great option for you. But you know why Trend? Trend is it's really the um, the king of all steroids. I mean, so it's considered the nectar of the gods. It's it's one of those things where. You can go from having just like a skinny chest and skinny neck and skinny shoulders and hop on trend and get on a good workout program, eat the right way. We're going to talk about working out and training and all that stuff later and dieting. But you can hop on trend and completely transform your body very, very quickly. And that's why trend is considered the king, the king of steroids. Um so it can really, even if your genetics suck, it can really like kind of reverse your genetics when, when you're on it. It's, it's the amazing steroid. And uh, look, if you can't grow your chest and can't grow your shoulders on trend, then you're never going to grow your shoulders. I mean, in chest. So, I mean, that's just how it is. So trend is the number one steroid and uh, just, it's the bully. It's the bully of, of all steroids. It's the pit bull of all steroids. So dosing. Anywhere from 150 to 200 on the lower end. Some guys go 350, 400. Some guys go even higher. If you're a newbie to it, sweet spot's probably going to be around 250, 300 a week. You can run it solo or you can stack it. It's really up to you. Keep in mind, the more stuff you stack with it, the more harsh stuff you stack with it, uh, specifically, the more side effects you're going to get. So I highly recommend you stack something mild with it. So... You know, some of the options you can stack with it are mild, Anabar, T-Bowl. Those are good options. And those are those really, really stack well. So you're going to be able to get stronger. And it's going to be basically force your shoulders and chest to grow as you get stronger uh, along the way. So for me, Trend, I hit my all-time personal records on Trend. Um, got the biggest I've ever gotten on Trend. And... Um, Unless I go back to using trend in the future, I'll never, you know, be that big, you know, again. So I would say that trend was the king. So save trend until you're truly ready because you're going to fasten your seatbelts, you know, when it comes to trend. It's it's the rocket ship of, of all steroids. I'm going to go with a different approach here, guys. So I'm going to I'm going to start with Winstrol, and as always with Winstrol, whether it's uh, it, 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 as an example, you can buy uh, both oral versions and uh, an injectable version. As always with Euro pharmacies, the uh, oral comes in a, a ten and a twenty-five milligram tablet, and the injectable comes in a fifty gram, sorry, fifty milligram, not fifty gram. That'd be a hell of a lot. Fifty milligrams per mil uh, vial. So there you go, guys. Right now, I'm going to go to remember when I'm talking about training in the next portion, I want you to bear in mind my choices for today. So we're talking about dry muscular gains rather than bulking gains. So my, again, my choice would be Winstrol today for the dry muscular gains. I would keep my cycles, as always, relatively low. 
100 milligram, Steve, a couple of times a week is plenty in this example. And you have to tie this in, as I just said, with the training that I'm going to suggest for, again, dry muscular gains in terms of rather than sheer bulk, sheer size and whatever else, what we're looking at, whatever else. So what do we want, guys? We want all of those muscles, all three heads of the delt popping. I want to see separation. I want to see the anterior, the posterior, and the lateral head, all three. And it, Steve, you see sometimes when the guys are super dry, and again, this would be a combination of diet and possibly stacking it with other drugs. You get lines at the bottom where they insert into the bicep and where they insert into the tricep, where it inserts into the pec, that pec deltoid. And if you can get that kind of round popping shape coming, and again, Winstrol is going to give you that dryness, that muscular look. The, the delt, the cap delts, as they call them, even small cap delts look kind of crazy. Do you need the site injecting this example? No, I'm not a big fan of site injecting. However, some users have, whether it's, whether it's Winstrol from Europharmacies or another choice, they would, and it, I, I, I finally, I've done it for TRT for guys. I've been injected into some of my older buddies' uh, uh, delts multiple times just because you're not putting in a huge amount. And again, you wouldn't need a huge amount in this example. It's not going to make a massive, massive difference. And of course, it's, there are other sites to choose from. But again, in this example, Steve, lateral head, if I was going to site inject, would be my choice, literally because I'm trying to look wide. As I've already said, Steve, dosing twice a week, probably 100 milligrams, so 200 mils total. How long for? I don't like long cycles, Steve, never have. I've done one long cycle, so my preference will be 12 weeks or less. I have done 16 weeks in the past, but that was a, a bunch of uh, drugs for two competitions, so eight to 12 weeks. In this example, and especially with a low-dose menstrual, if you didn't have any hair problems, I'd, I think, guys, let's say 12 weeks, 100 milligrams, that's two mil twice a week, just using menstrual. If I was stacking it with other drugs, if I was using other rules, which I'll get to in a little while, then I might run it slightly differently. So, but like I said, guys, keep it simple, keep it sweet, do the training, which we're going to touch on in a little while. Uh, what about a second choice for you, Steve, before I give you my second choice? So next thing I want to talk about for me is DECA. And DECA Durobolin was the one that really, when, when you talk about building big shoulders and chest, my gosh, DECA is great for that. And... um if you talk to a lot of the older guys in the gym, mobster, your age or older, and I know you're a big fan of DECA too, they love DECA. They'll all say DECA is some good shit. DECA is some good shit. But the younger guys, they are like, oh, I don't want to earn DECA. I'm scared of DECA dick. I'm scared of DECA dick. So it just the, it's one of those things like a generational thing. It's really fascinating to me. And I think that the, 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 the scare people on forums over the years have done a really good job of scaring people into avoiding DECA. And what's funny is many Americans, and I'm sure it's on your side of the pond too, Mobster, have problems with their dick. And it's not because they ran DECA. They've never touched DECA in their life, and they have problems with their dick. So people always equate, oh, I got dick problems. I must have been because I used DECA three years ago. No, you have dick problems because you have poor heart health. We have poor heart health, you're going to have dick problems. That's just how it is. That's, that when you have a poor, poor blood flow, you're going to have dick problems. So... So don't be scared to run DECA. If you're a skinny guy and you want to be, build big shoulders and big and big chest, or if you're a big guy as it is and you want to build bigger shoulders and bigger chest, don't be scared of running DECA. The key with DECA is always run a DHT derivative with it, whether it be what Mobster was talking about, Winstrol, or it would be Masteron, or it would be my personal favorite, Proviron. And EP has you covered across the board. They have some great EP DECA. They have great EP NPP, nandrolone phenylpropionate, just like the Trembolone. You have the short ester and you have the long ester. And they have great EP Proviron. You can run the Proviron 25 milligrams a day throughout the duration along with the DECA. You'll get really, really good results. DECA is great for mild, the mild uh, properties that it has. And it's a long, slow builder. So you will get good results. Dosing, um, I really like it um, going a little moderate to high when it comes to DECA. So 
Um, that's the whole reason running deck in the first place is to keep the sides minimal and to have much less aromatization. So why not run it a little higher? So 300, 400, even 500 milligrams a week is really, really good. A lot of guys like to run it with testosterone as well. But even if you run it with testosterone, you still need to run a DHT derivative with it. So you could, uh, that's, an, that's another one I want to talk about a little bit too, Mobster, is testosterone. And stacking testosterone with any of these steroids we're talking about will help get you bigger, will help get your shoulders bigger. Testosterone is great for mood, for libido, for bulking, for size, for strength, for mass, whatever you want to call it. It can get you big and you can get a big appetite on testosterone as well. It really helps with that. So again, EP has so many different options for testosterone. They got EP sipinate, EP enanthate. Those are the two most sold. If you want to go a short route, short ester route, you can get the EP uh, testosterone propanate. And then they even have the blends, the GP sustenon blends, which are a blend of four different esters all in one. So whatever you like to do, whatever you want to play around with, they've got you covered with testosterone and with DECA. So, you know, we've talked some good ones so far, Mops, or Trend, Winstrel, DECA, Tess. What, what other ones do you have up your sleeve? So here's the thing. And again, guys, make sure you remember to uh, hook this into the training advice I'm going to give in a little while. So because it's, it's a combination, as I say, dry muscular gains and strength. So here's, here's a stack you could do. My second choice would be, and it's a huge favorite of mine, as you know, Steve, like you just mentioned with the DECA. Love DECA, love SUS. Great injectables for me and just work incredibly well. And, and especially from pharmacies where I know what I'm getting and I know how I'm going to respond. So my next choice would be Anavar, which on uh, pharmacies is Oxandrolix. You get that in 10 and 25 milligram amounts. Now, dosing is real simple, Steve. Super simple. Said this a million times, guys. Why tweak and change when you don't need to? The sweet spot for 99.9% .9 of our users is going to be 50 milligrams uh, per day. Uh, I would agree here in, uh, in in if in principle only with a good buddy of ours, Dylan, in terms of not running it too long. So I am perfectly fine, guys. I've said this a million times again, that I'm okay with eight weeks with an oral like Anavar, especially a mild oral like Anavar. But you could run it for less. And if we was going to stack it with this, a dry muscular gains and a sense of power and strength that I get from Anavar myself personally, I, we could hook it with Winstrol. So here's how I would run that for me personally again. The Anavar would be four to eight weeks. And it depends. I've trained for power, so I would put it in the end. But you guys, using it for muscle and dry muscular gains, run it at the beginning. Four to eight weeks at the beginning of the cycle, but running the Winstrol for the whole eight to 12 weeks. So there's just a different way of approaching that. And again, like I said, this is for me a dry muscular gain. Steve mentioned Sustin Decker. I've used those. I bulked up like a motherfucker in there and my strength went through the roof. So for me, those would be bulking steroids. Appetite gets crazy sometimes for some users on certain drugs. Do I need that? No. And again, we that would be a great at the beginning of a competitive cycle, Steve, and changing to drier steroids, less wet steroids, shall we say. And of course, tweaking the diet towards the end of a competitive cycle to bring in the look that you want. So it's I'm going to go with dry muscular. I want separation. I want power. And I want power specifically for one of the exercises that we're going to discuss in a minute. And I want the dry separation, the muscle gains, and retention of muscle gains. The only issue, and I mean it's an issue regardless of where you saw spiritual positive, is the drier joints. And we're talking about hitting the shoulder joint here when we're talking about chest and shoulders. So keep that in mind. Throw in, and this is just a bit of advice as usual always, Steve talks about bone broth. I've talked about joint supplements. Make sure, especially when you're using Winstrol, and especially if you guys decide to tweak the dosages higher, uh, some uh, joint products, and again, healthy fats, fish oils, nut oils, et cetera, et cetera, guys, because I want your joints to be lubricated because we're going we're gonna to dry that muscle out. We're going to put the muscle on. We're going to get those cap delts going, and I want you guys to have no pain and discomfort. Touch on that just for a second, Steve, before we start to talk about training. Yeah, and, and you got to keep in mind, if you're going the strength route, Winstrol can, do, can be a really, really good steroid. But if you start noticing the dry joints, you can open yourself up 
to quicker injuries. So, you know, we're going to talk about training in a second, and there are some red flags you want to definitely look for when it comes to shoulders. So it may not be good. But on the flip side, you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum, if you like a more wet, more lubricated type of situation, then D-Ball and Anadrol. Now, I'll talk about Anadrol, and I'll let you talk about D-Ball, Mobster, because I know you're a big fan of D-Ball as well, as are most of the old school guys. But Anadrol is my personal favorite oral for size and strength. Because you can run it four or five weeks, 25 milligrams a day, that's it. You don't have to run 50 milligrams. You can just run it 25 milligrams. EP has great Anadrol, high-quality Anadrol. So you don't have to run it at a high dose. Some guys do. If you want to run it at 50, run it at 50. But you can completely transform your physique very, very quickly without ever sticking yourself with a needle by using Anadrol. Anadrol is one of my favorite oral steroids. It's, they're called A-bombs for a reason. So try it if you're looking just to run an oral for a short amount of time, in and out, handling your business in the gym. Give me a five-day five split, five days a week in the gym with two rest days where you're doing cardio, and taking care of yourself and stretching and all that stuff on those two days. Try the Anadrol and you can completely grow your shoulders and chest like, like so fast. Um and you'll have such amazing strength in the process. So, Mobster, why don't you touch on Devo? Uh, tell the guys how you like to run it and how long you like to run it. I keep it short and sweet, guys. Typically 30 milligrams. I have run it, same as with the Anavar, as high as 50 milligrams. I've never run Anavar higher than that. Uh, but Devo, as Steve's already said, I know exactly how I'm going to respond, especially if I'm using Europharmacist products. So, for example, I'm running Devo right now, and I believe it's going to be a total of eight weeks. If I hit my 180 kilo bench press, so there's a big pounder for the chest, Steve, uh, before eight weeks, then that'll be here. I don't need to run it beyond that just because I've already hit the target that I've set for myself. A great one for me in terms of my leverage. So, for example, overhead pressing will, would be better uh, if I was starting to focus on that, which I'm not at the minute. But if I was, that would, that would increase my overhead press power, increases the leverage around my joints because of the excess water that people tend to hold it being a wet steroid. And... Breakfast of champions, Steve. I would say again, if you're talking, you've talked about the older guys loving Decca. Uh, it's not so common now. It will still probably be the number one seller, but it used to be the case that the first steroid anybody ever tried was some kind of Dynabolt. The, the little blue pills, the five milligram stuff that they used to do back in the day. These, these, this more or less legendary. Uh, uh, I'm thinking of a, 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 the fella that designed, uh, or something, Riskin, who designed the Gold Gym T-shirt, also designed the T-shirt you could buy in the 80s, which was Dynabol Breakfast of Champions, and it had a muscle man underneath the words. So it was the foundation for a million bodybuilders back in the day, and it's still a super, super popular product. Again, with something like that, you're looking dead simple, guys, because of the half-life, don't bother. I, I actually wouldn't bother touching the 30 milligram pills. I would only use the 10 milligram pills in this example, Steve, because there's no need to go make it complicated and go in a different particular way. What have I got on my desk right now? I mentioned it right at the beginning, which is a 10 milligram version of Dialabal, Steve. So there you go on that particular one. I want to touch on the training now. And guys, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, I will talk about shoulder training steve and i think you can throw in some suggestions for chess how about that yeah go ahead buddy go ahead it's okay guys the shoulder joint and bearing in mind that we're going to be hitting it with the chest and the shoulder work can be kind of fragile so warning right at the beginning even if i talk about heating something twice a week or high volume repetitions or whatever else take care of your shoulders and again this is for both chest and shoulder work so Include at some point rehab work like rotator cuff, super light, doesn't have to be heavy. And in fact, here's the way that I'm going to go today. Now, I'm a power guy. You know I'm a power guy, Steve. But when it comes to any of the lateral forward or even bent over raises, keep it light. So I'm going to go with pre-exhaust. Here's an idea. Right, so whether you're doing, as I said, lateral, posterior or anterior delts, lightweights, doesn't have to be crazy. 30-pound dumbbells is plenty. 10-pound dumbbells with a higher volume, higher repetition range is, is, is enough. And then 
as, as, this is a real simple workout. I've got another couple of ideas for you guys. So pre-exhaust with, let's say for argument's sake, lateral uh, dumbbell raises. You can use cables, you can use rubber bands, you can use whatever. So long as we get, we're getting blood into the lateral head, we're looking for which. This is for shoulders alone. And then straight on to some form of overhead press. Now, whether that's a machine, whether that's a strongman, piece of kit, the Viking press, whether that's with a sandbag, with barrels, dumbbells, uh, barbells, whatever else. If you want a killer workout, do an Arnold press. Now, look that one up, guys. It's kind of like, it's almost like having your arms at the top of the curl and you rotate your arms around as you press. And that actually works two heads of the delts at the same time without the movement. You can look at, for example, uh, tweaks for the lateral raise would be using a variation that Larry Scott was doing back in the day. This was a small, it was the first Mr. Olympia with a relatively small frame that used to do very small tweaks that were taught to him by Jim Guru at that time. And it's things like what the thing's called like pouring out tea. What do we mean by that? That as you do the double away from the side of the body, the little finger raises up higher than the other fingers. And that tweaks the delt into that position. And if you try, guys try it with a super light dumbbell in the gym and look in the mirror, you'll see that the lateral head of the delt pops out even more, which means it's under stress more. And then there's another one, Steve, when it comes to lateral raises, again, don't go super high above your head. Literally, a when the dumbbell out extended away from the body with your elbow ever so slightly bent, slightly higher than your ears, and don't let it stop at the bottom. Keep that tension on. That's another reason why you don't need to do heavy, heavy weights because the tension's on that lateral head the whole time. For rear delts, and this is something that a lot of people miss out and you get a lot of front delt stimulation from pec work. You'll get some front delt stimulation from overhead pressing and even from the lateral raises. But a lot of people miss the rear delt. And here's one you can do, which is called the face pull. Again, super light, use a cable. You can literally just grab the clip or the ball that you have at the end of the cables the one top plate on the cable stack is sometimes almost, even huge guys, there's a 600 kilo bench presser out there and he's using one or two plates on the top of the stack. But he's literally putting his shoulder back at the top of the movement and he's bringing that arm up in that particular way and just flexing, just contracting the rear delt. And that gives you that three-dimensional thing going on. So like I said, lateral raises, use the tips of all these suggested and then some kind of overhead press thing. And that's, again, where the anavars coming in for me, because, as I said, guys, dry and muscular with that little bit of power, because every pressing, when you've already pre-exhausted one or two or all three of the heads of the delt, now you've got the tricep power you haven't got. You've still got that power at the top of your chest that you haven't used. And that overhead pressing is going to absolutely kill. the. the, the you're you're going to be fatigued. You're going to be really, really giving the muscle a hell of a workout. Repetition range. I'm going to keep it kind of high on the lateral raises, but with the low weights. And like I said, constant tension, guys. So 10, 15, even 20 repetitions. But for the overhead pressing, and especially because you've already pre-exhausted, and I want that joint to stay healthy, keep it low. So 12, maybe down as low as 8. The weight needs to be decent. Good numbers, guys. If you've never hit the gym, a great number to aim for with overhead pressing on a barbell will be 100 pounds. 140, 120, 140, you're starting to get there. 200 pounds is pretty much the mark in the sand to show that you're seriously strong. 300 pounds, and you're starting to get into elite pressing. But that would be a specific thing to aim for in that particular way. Now, Steve, throw in some chest workouts as well and see if we come up with another couple of ideas while we're doing it back and forth. Yeah, so again, you know, the credibility on my end is I used to be skinny, as I said earlier in the podcast. Really skinny bird chest. How was I able to grow it? And um, what's funny is if I would have never done this, I would have never grown it in the first place. My chest would have been skinny as an adult. So, you know, the first thing I did, the first gym I went to wasn't a very good gym. It was even worse than, you know, a Planet Fitness gym. But I still found things to do to build my chest. Number one, hammer string presses. Now, my first gym that I went to, it didn't even have much free weights. I mean, it had dumbbells, but didn't have like free weights. And I wasn't creative enough to use those free weights on my chest. Um, the way guys are today when it comes to, you know, working out at most gyms, but I still figured out things to do. Example, I would take the dumbbells and I would find a bench and I would just press the dumbbells up. 
Really, really simple, right? Doesn't take a brain surgeon. And that's going to work your chest. It's also going to work your shoulders, obviously, in the process. And doing butterflies with those dumbbells would give would give it a lot good your grip, changing up your grip, the way you bring you bring the weights together when you do butterflies or just go straight up and kind of work it that way. You're not only going to work your chest, you're also going to work your triceps and build them up that way. And then I would do the hammer strength. I would do the hammer strength, uh, 10, 15 rep range, and I would pyramid it up. I'd start at a lower weight, warm up, then I'd start adding weight and, and go back up. So the basics were there for me. I just didn't exactly know what I was doing, but I didn't have to know what I was doing. So it kind of, I kind of figured it out as I went along. Now, once I got to a real gym a year or two later, I started working out at my, um, at a, at a really, really good quality meathead gym and what, what, and we, we, and then flat bench, flat bench was my bread and butter. So you know, I, because I had already done the dumbbell presses, I had already done the hammer strength. I actually built ironically a really strong base. So once I actually got to use a flat bench, it was like, wow, it was all downhill from there. So then I started adding weight. I think the first time I did flat bench on actual bench, I think I did like 35 pounds on each side. I was like 14 years old, 15 years old. And then before you know it, I was doing one rack on each side. And then before you know it, I was doing one rack and 25 pounds on each side. And, and you know, the rest is history. And, uh, and then, you know, by the time I'm in my uh, mid thirties, I'm doing three plates for reps, no problem. So you have to start somewhere. So that's how I kind of improve. And if you're on that flat bench and you are gradually increasing the weight over time, but you're building consistency at a lower level, then your body will react. It's you're training your body to get stronger. If you make your chest stronger, it's going to grow. It's going to be forced to grow. In the process and then obviously with shoulders too jerks clean and jerks the cleans once you clean it and then you jerk it over your head obviously that's going to build up the shoulders now how much of a, 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 a an effect it's going to have when you're working shoulders overtraining shoulders as mobster touched on that's a different story and again i'll, I'll repeat what mobster said you're dealing with someone who tore my right shoulder because of going too heavy and basically overtraining my shoulder, not listening to my body. So I don't want you guys to end up the same way. Also, spine health. When it comes to overhead pressing, spine health, gravity is working against you big time. So I'd be very careful with military presses, jerks overhead, overhead presses, even incline, because you're putting way too much pressure on your shoulders. So my final advice on training, because I know mobster, you have a couple more tips, I'm sure, is don't overtrain them. How about that? You don't have to pound your shoulders into the dirt. When I interviewed Frank Zane about six or seven years ago on my podcast, you guys can look up the episode. I asked them, it was really hard to get information from the guy. He didn't want to share much. But one of the tips he gave is don't overtrain your shoulders. He said people overtrain their shoulders too much. And it's funny he said that because literally a year later, I tore my right shoulder. So he's not wrong. And he knew what he was talking about. People overtrain their shoulders way too much. You're not going to grow your shoulders by overtraining them. You'll grow your shoulders by training them properly and being efficient with your training. All right. That's how you're going to do it. So be smart about it. And trust me, when you work out your chest, you're also hitting your shoulders at the same time. So how about that for more advice? So really, you don't even need to isolate your shoulders as much as people think because you're working out on a push day, you're working on your shoulders, and on a pull day, you're working on your shoulders. So if yeah. you overtrain them on top of it, by overtraining them, you're just going to cause injuries and you're going to make yourself weaker in the process like I did. So don't make the same mistake I did and end up with torn shoulders. I would say mobster in a meathead gym, 50% or more of the regulars, the gym rats that are there like us, have some type of tear in our shoulders. And when you use anabolic steroids, it's going to increase the chance of doing that because you're going to be doing more weight. That's the number one reason, obviously. So that's what happened to me. I was on trend. And that's what happened. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I'll jump back in here, guys. Okay, so we're talking about shoulder health, but we also want those shoulders to look absolutely crazy. Like I said earlier, lean and muscular. So how about the following three suggestions for you guys? Upright rows. It's something you don't see people doing as much as you used to, Stephen. This was a big thing for me back when I had next to no weights when I first started training and, and, and I learned about this exercise. So it was one of those kind of weird things. I don't think I used much more than 50 pounds, probably less. Uh, and then the trick for that one was getting those elbows up high and then almost pulling the elbows up and back at the top of the movement. And again, working on that contraction at the top. Great for the tie-in with the traps as well, Steve. So that's one just for shoulders again. Something else, and this applies to both shoulders and chest work. And again, with chest work, as a great example, Steve, pec deck or pec flies with us with a dumbbell or, or a machine. And then something like a bench press with us, E-cline, D-cline, flat, dumbbell or barbell. Slow the fuck down. Just make the move. No swinging the weights around. No bouncing the weights off your chest. No trying to sort of do a partial dislocation of your arms and your shoulder joint again when you're doing the pec deck machine. Okay? Slow the exercise down. Literally, let's say that let's say that I was doing 100 pounds on the pec deck, Steve. Take 20 or 30 pounds off and just do the machine at twice the normal speed and, and slower. I mean, twice as slow. So if it takes you from the beginning to the end of the movement, 10 seconds, I want you to take 20 seconds. Now, you cannot do the same weight that you were doing before. And because you're not throwing around the weights around, you're not stretching or hyperextending or even doing what's called a partial dislocation of the joint. Don't over-stretch at the bottom of the movement. Again, that's whether it's dumbbells or some sort of pec machine, whether you're pushing against the pads with your forearms or whether you're using one of those pec flying machines when you've got the handle in each hand and you're opening your arms right up. There's no need to completely open up to the point where your shoulder feels like it's pulling apart. By all means, work on the stretch. But if you slow that movement right down, else if you slow the chest workout, the bench press right the hell down, whether it's, again, overhead for shoulders or whether it's across your chest, slow both those movements right down. And the last one, and again, this ties in for both chest and shoulder workouts, but let's use that peg deck and the dumbbell bench, the barbell bench, exercise again, tensing the muscle at the point of contraction. So let's use that pec deck specifically. You're opening your arms right up. You're, you're not pulling to the point where, like I said, digital casual, but you're getting a nice stretch in your chest. You're bringing your arms back together. There's an element with some people, like they're almost clapping their hands at the top of the movement, Steve. And you've got things where I've done it with both my hands open so that I'm pressing the palms together with the handle in between. And I've done it with my 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 fist clenched around a bar but, and again you can do whatever version you like but squeeze the pecs and one of the tricks I've done when I've been coaching people is I get them I will take my finger actually my my index finger and my little finger and I will lean forward with their permission naturally and I will put my two fingers one on one pec one on the other pec and I'll have them squeeze their pecs against my finger at the point of contraction once you learn to do that without fingers in the way, you're constantly trying to squeeze. You're constantly trying to contract. Again, that doesn't happen when you're throwing the big weights around, which is what I do when I'm strength training. You have to use less weight because you're learning how to get the most out of the movement. Now, you watch any lean, muscular, and especially competitive athlete, I would argue that, again, the good ones, the best ones, the ones that end up winning the competition, they don't just have the genetics or the aesthetic shape or whatever else. They're learning how to get the most from the movement. And those that end up training with someone and there are a couple of very, very good coaches that work with the very top pros, what do they get from this person they haven't had from 10 or 15 years in a gym already? And it's these nuances. Learning how to get the most out of the movement. Guys, you could be training with a set of dumbbells that you keep underneath the bed. You could be training on a 50-buck bench that you found on Craigslist in, in your dad's garage. Or that you could be training at a 100,000-square-foot gym that costs $2 million to quit. If you know how to get the most out of the movement with those stretches, with being able to... And I'll give you one more tip in a, in a second, Steve, changing the angles. But again, stuff like I said already with the squeezing and the contraction and, and, and working out 
just how to get the most out of the movement with a set of £20, £30, £40 dumbbells underneath your bed, then when you go to that million square feet, 100,000 square foot, $2 million gym, you'll do even better. That's why you see certain people seem to get more from it, not just genetics, not just steroids, even if they're from pharmacies, but because they've learned how to get the most out of the movement. One more tip then, and let's go back to that pec fly machine again. These handles are quite long, Steve. The area where you can grip with your hands isn't always just hand width, six, seven, eight inches across with a little bit of deviation. Sometimes there's a bit of more room. And one of the tricks you guys can try on this, you can use this on cable flies as well, guys, is that you pull the dumb, the for example, in cable flies, up to the top position to contract the top of the chest into a middle position to isolate or emphasize the contraction in the middle chest and to a lower position. It's kind of like the same as you do if you were doing incline, flat, or decline bench press. You can vary the angle, both of the hands going up and down on the handles or using a cable fly exercise to emphasize the top, which is where the pec ties into the neck. And this is a great example in modern bodybuilding where back in the day, Arnold Schwarzenegger, huge chest, but the, the pec emphasized, emphasis then was on the bottom of the pec. Nowadays, we go for a full muscular development. And a great example of this when he was competing and kicking ass was Phil Heath, which was from the bottom, the middle to the top. I think to the point where he literally was saying on one interview that he wanted to fill in the gap so that the top of the chest was hitting him in the chin. So that's the modern physique. The classic physique still looks for the bottom of the pec to be developed. And that's where you'll see classic physique or classic competitors having the different shaped chest than the open competitors. So there's a few ideas for you as well. Again, it's super, super important in this example, Steve, to be using the, the exercise tips that we give you and obviously a solid source like Euro Pharmacies. Final tips in regards to this is just a little bit of nutrition here, Steve. So pumping, and I'm going to just throw in a pack one, a little bit of carbs, doesn't have to be a lot. I've had half a flapjack I do here, Steve. 100 grams of carbs pre-workout. And I like bananas. You can use a flapjack and a small bowl of oats, something like that. Even a few biscuits on your way to the gym, guys, if you train late in the day. Oat biscuits, preferably, to get a great pec pump. And if you've got the isolation, if you can learn how to get the contraction, even a delt pump. How's a delt pump feel, Steve? When you put your shirt back on or your jacket back on, you're going outside and it actually feels snug around the shoulders, not just because your chest is pumped, but also there. What do you think, Steve, before we finish off? Yeah, one of my um, one of my tips for uh, when it comes to diet is, look, eat a natural whole food diet. Go to your pantry, go to your fridge, go to your freezer, look what you got in there. If there's anything in there that was made in a factory, then it's not going to be muscle building food. Let's stick to what, 2.5 million years of evolution, okay? 100 years ago, there was no such thing as processed food. This is something we've just had 100 years or 200 years max out of the past 2.5 million years. Our bodies don't know what that is. Your body will appreciate when you feed it correctly. It's just like having a dog or a cat and you feed the dog or cat a natural diet versus feeding them cheap Walmart food, you know, out of uh, kibbles, you know? Like these people, they feed their dog and cat these these crappy foods from the from the retail store, and then their dogs and cats are sick all the time. Well, it's the same thing with us. Imagine if your body could be optimal. Imagine giving your body the most optimal fuel possible, whole, single ingredient, natural foods. That is the best thing to put in your body. So take a look at your diet. Take a look at where you're getting your foods from. Take a look at your food prep. If you're eating fast food, it's a no-no. Restaurant food is a no-no. You want to basically know where the food has been. You want to know what exactly you're putting in your body across the board. So once you figure that out, weight training and building big muscles is going to be so much easier because your body won't be fighting with you because you keep feeding it garbage. So if you just stay the fuck out of your body's way, you will be able, your body will be able to grow. So hope this podcast helped. And we would love, love for you guys to come to the forums and get a law going for a Euro Pharmacies on your next order. Check them out. They are a great brand and they, they're giving, they're helping us bring you this information. So, all right, Mobster, take us to the disclaimer.
Go. Please note, we are not doctors and his opinions are ours. It is our view and based on our experience and views on the topic. At podcast for informational purposes and entertainment only, the freedom of speech and the first amendment.